We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you folks on the other end of the speaker. And joining me tonight is Steve. Steve, how do you pronounce your last name? Hagland? Hagland, yep. Okay, cool. I'm sure that hasn't been butchered in the past at all by anybody. Only my entire life. It's all good. (laughs) And uh, a fellow member of the Blue Wire family with the Guilty as Charged podcast. That's a great name, by the way. Who came up with that name? Uh, It was actually uh, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Riley Williams. Shout out, Riley. We, um, you know, the three of us uh, used to write for Bolt Beat for Fan Sided. Um, Got a, a decent amount of followers. And so we decided to come up with a podcast and uh, you know, asked people to submit some names that they liked and he submitted guilty as charged podcast and, and we liked it and we rolled with it. So, uh, it's been, been a lot of fun over the last few years for sure. Yeah. That's a super great name. And like, so you guys started the podcast kind of on your own and then eventually joined the blue wire network. Is that how that, that happened? Yeah. So, um, after AB five came rolling out, I don't know if that affected, uh, you as it did us at, uh, fan sided, Oh um, yeah, I got the boot. Yep, that's when we uh, <laughs> decided to uh, start the podcast. We started it um, really right after the 2019 season was over. Um, so we did, you know, the whole 2020 draft stuff. We're big draft nerds over here, so uh, cover the draft, covered the free agency period, and unfortunately had the COVID season. Um, but we did the 2020 season, and then. Uh, the summer before 2021 is when Blue Wire reached out to us about, you know, joining their ne- joining their network, and it was just a, a no brainer for us. So we've been out right. to the studio in in Vegas. It's incredible. Um, have nothing but great things to say about Kevin Jones and and the rest of the team at Blue Wire. It's been a fantastic opportunity for us. Do you know that the Striking Gold podcast used to be called the Kevin Jones podcast? I did not know that. Yes, the Strike and Gold podcast used to be 
Kevin Jones podcast, and he did he did his thing. I I'd been a guest on on there before when it was just Kevin. Uh, Kevin used to cover the 49ers for KNBR, the the uh, local radio station here. Yeah, I knew I knew and, that. And, and he and I've I'd met him many times at training camp. Always got along with him. Uh, things didn't work out doing the KNBR stuff, and he just says, "Okay, I'm going to start up Blue Wire." And like literally within the year, what you could just see that it was exploding and he eventually got so busy that he asked um, Eric Crocker. Uh, I'm not sure if you follow him on, on Twitter, yeah, yeah. but he's uh, a the, big. He does locked on Niners now, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He does. He got ripped away from me. It, it still stings a little bit, but oh, no. Crocker called me. Uh, oh, it was it was meant to happen. If anybody who knows Croc knows that man is destined for uh, for greatness. But um, he called me, asked me to be a part of the pod, and we did it for a few years. And, you know, Kevin Jones moved on to running Blue Wire and. And now it's just me kind of floating around until I figure out who who is is worthy of co-hosting alongside me. But it, yeah, this this podcast is basically rooted in Kevin Jones. So it's it's wow. a little it's cool. And I was just in Vegas uh, for Halloween weekend and I didn't go by and see the studio like an idiot. I mean, it was <sighs> a very short trip, but um Tyler, our producer, was like, dude, why didn't you say something? I would have booked you some studio time. And we yeah. weren't there very long. We were there like 48 hours and spent at least half of it in nice restaurants. But it was, uh, I need to go buy it. Is it is it everything it looks like? Oh, man, it's so cool. So we've, we've actually done um, three recordings in the studio. We did one after the Chargers and Raiders game in week 18 last year, which, uh, you know, made the loss a little bit more sufferable recording in that studio. And then we actually was- went... Was the game in Vegas? It was, yeah. Did you go to the game? We went to the game. It was wow. incredible. One of the one of the craziest games I've ever been to in my in my entire life. Um, you know, unfortunately, the Chargers coming out short, but uh, that studio man is incredible. And then we went. Uh, we actually went to the draft this year, and uh, we got to record um, two episodes after the draft because we stayed for the whole weekend. Um, and so it's, it's an incredible spot. You got to get up there as, as soon as you can, man. It's, it's an awesome place to record an episode for sure. Were you like recording it out in front? Like, like where people can walk by and watch you? Yeah. And so we actually had some, like when we were recording there after the chargers and Raiders game, we had like chargers fans walking by and like, they tried to like stop by and like, listen to the show <laughs> you know, outside <laughs> of the glass and like, we're raving at us. So it's a, it's a really cool spot. Obviously the Wynn hotel super nice as well but um, yeah yeah man it's been uh it's been a really fun ride to participate in in blue wire can't can't thank them enough for uh reaching out to us it really is kind of like a rocket ship man like right now dude it's just growing at such an insane rate and it's it's been cool to see because like i said i i knew kevin before blue wire was a thing and to see him just being like okay i'm gonna do this and it's it's pretty inspirational man it really is like one of those bright and shining examples of if you want to do something, you can do it. It's just how maniacal are you about it? Uh, did, were you like, so where for the draft, did you guys like watch every pick? Were you, were you on site, like watching all the picks get read off? Yeah. So we, um, we went to like the actual draft place for the first round. And then uh, for this, for the second and third rounds for day two, there was like a, a chargers watch party that, uh, like the team was hosting. So we went and, and watched it with them. And then uh, we just kind of hung out at our hotel and went back and forth between like a sports bar and the actual draft setting for day three. Cause you know how long it gets for day three. And 
Right. We didn't want to like right. stand in front of the, <laughs> the draft for, you know, a super hot day in Vegas. So we kind of did back and forth that last day. And my, uh, my YouTube slash video game hero, Dr. Disrespect. I don't know if you have any idea who that is. He's actually from the San Diego area. Um, he read the 49ers third round pick and I had no idea it was coming. And all of a sudden this dude wearing a mullet and a headset and a mustache that's six foot eight comes walking out and reads off the 49ers pick. And I was just losing my mind. So I was, I was kind of see if you were there for them to read that pick, but that wasn't until day two. So you were at the, at the watch party. Yeah. Uh, if, if I read that correctly, but all right. So I suppose we should talk about the 49ers <laughs> or the chargers, but if trust me, the listeners here know that you never know what to expect when you get on here. But. <laughs> so tell me the first thing I want to ask because one of the first things, and if you, those of you that are uh, listening right now, uh, I just got done doing the Guiltiest Charge podcast, and and then we immediately jumped on here to. So Stephen had me on the Guiltiest Charge podcast, and then we jumped on here to do the Strike and Gold podcast. That's right. So we've already we've already had a little bit of a back and forth, and the first thing that Stephen asked me about was. Kyle Shanahan and just kind of where he was as the team and all the turnover, the coaching turnovers. And I've never, I haven't quite gotten a grasp on Staley's reputation, especially coming from somebody within the ropes of, of the chargers. So kind of the same question to you, what do you think of Brandon Staley right now? Is he holding up his end of the bargain, you know, in relation to maybe Justin Herbert and the offense uh, just what is your what is your overall sense with with him right now and how he's quarterback that team? Man, I, I tell you what, it's been a, a wild journey for our kind of outlook on Brandon Staley, and and he's done a lot of really good things as the head coach, and you know he's got a, a, a larger say in roster control than than previous Chargers coaches. That was kind of uh, a change that the team recognized that they needed to do, and so. Um, you know, we had gone like 25 years over, uh, across multiple GMs and coaches since the team drafted multiple, uh, first round offensive linemen. And so Brandon Staley comes in and it's Rashawn Slater and it's Zion Johnson in back-to-back drafts. And that was like unheard of. Right. And he, and he convinces this team to go and spend money and like legitimately be aggressive in free agency. And, and you know, we see all these these big names coming over and it was Corey Lindsley last year and it, you know, Khalil Mack and JC Jackson this year. And, you know, unfortunately JC Jackson is, is injured and it's not really panned out, but um, you know, heading into this season, it's, it's a lot of like boy wonder feeling almost, you know, this guy who comes in and really changes the franchise and just the whole vibe around the charters went from, ah, we're just, we're not, we're not that big, we're not that big brother kind of team. We're not the aggressive team. We're just here to kind of, kind of, you know, survive and be around. And, uh, Brandon Staley just changes that and flips this on its head. And, and, you know, he's going for it on fourth downs and he's, you know, empowering Justin Herbert and he's empowering Derwin James to like do all these different things. And it was so cool to watch like the previous, like the, from the day he was hired to like the start of this season and everything was perfect. And this season, it's just been a lot of, poor coaching decisions. He's not as aggressive on fourth downs. He's actually like one of the least aggressive coaches in the league on fourth down this year. And of course there's all the injuries and things like that. So I think you can look at the chargers and and look at a five and three record and think that it's probably going pretty well, but there's just been a lot of coaching regression in my opinion with Brandon Staley, with Joe Lombardi, who's the offensive coordinator 
And it's just been, you know, unfortunate to see. I don't feel like the Chargers have the same kind of identity that they did last year. And, you know, a lot of that, again, could be contributed to injuries. But it's been flipped, right? Like people are kind of, you know, there are obviously, you know, the doom and gloom crowd wants everybody fired every single year, right? But <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> oh, we've we've heard it. We've heard it. Um, even me, who's who's more, you know, objective about everything, I'm starting to kind of, you know, lose my patience a little bit with Brandon Staley. And, and, you know, now there's this, this year, the team, right. There's just no like aggressive nature to them at all. And every single game, it's like, we're just trying to survive because we have all of these injuries and, you know, they've trailed by double digits in, in the first quarter in every single game over the last five games. So it's, it's been a journey. That was a very long witted answer, but it's been a journey for our, uh, our outlook on Brandon Staley over the past few months. Well, I mean, that's uh, it might be long-winded, but I think one of the most important things to ask somebody when you're talking about a team that we don't cover is just the general overall feel of the team. Like, when, when, like, what's the feel of the fan base? What are the talking points right now? What is a team going through? And I think you kind of captured it pretty well right there. And surprisingly, the the uh, the if you were to ask me that about Kyle Shanahan, my answer would be very similar. You know, it's. Kyle Shanahan's never been that aggressive. You know, he's a great play caller, and the 49ers typically produce pretty well on offense, given what they have to bear. But there's a lot of stuff where we're breaking down his decisions in key moments. He's not very aggressive. He, he, it seems like he he plays it safe very often. There's been so many times where, you know, there's those situations where there's like a minute left in the second or in the second quarter, right before halftime, and you'd want to see them kind of turn the throttle up, you know, pedal to the metal and go see if they can get a field goal or, you know, if things go right, a touchdown in that minute. And then they just run the ball three times and kill the clock, you know, stuff like that. I don't know if that's the the same approach that Brandon Staley takes, but um, what, what is your, what are your thoughts on Staley? Cause Staley is an offensive minded guy, right? So he, he played college quarterback, um, you know, at the university of Dayton. And that's where he got his start was offense, but, um, he kind of flipped, you know, after a couple of years of his coaching career to defense and that's how right. he was, he came as uh, came from being the Rams defensive coordinator. Yeah. 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 So okay. he calls plays for the chargers defense and, um, you know, that's how he was. That's one of the reasons why the chargers loved him so much was that, you know, he was a defensive mind, you know, he had like this defensive acumen, but what made him unique was that he coached defense through the lens of a quarterback. And, right. you know, the whole thing was that the Chargers were trying to be innovative in their coaching hire. And so for them, you know, hiring a quarterback who coaches defense was a really unique opportunity. And, and being able to help Justin Herbert kind of attack defenses with that kind of coach was something that they were really interested in. And I think to a certain extent, like Justin Herbert has definitely made strides in going through progressions and attacking defenses and and all that good stuff. But like I said, there's just there's so many other things that we wish Brandon City were better at. And I think uh, we're really seeing that come to fruition this year. Like, I don't feel like they're a super well-coached team. I think they're, um, again, I, I just feel like they're trying to survive each game, make it a little uglier than it needs to be. And there's no real, like, identity there, which is the biggest problem this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's a lot of the things I've heard from an outsider's perspective is I think everybody has a very solidified and passionate opinion of Justin Herbert, how good he is, (laughs) what he's capable of. Like, I don't I've never heard anybody down on Justin Herbert, but there seems to be this. Almost like an opinion this year that he's being bottlenecked, he's being. Um, and now you can't talk about Justin Herbert and the offense and what it's capable of without mentioning the fact that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams aren't on the field a whole lot. But is is there a sense in the building that that the the masterminds, the guys calling the plays, the guys above Justin Herbert are almost limiting what that offense is capable of? Or do you feel like they're just making the best of what they have, given the, the state of the, the health of the team? I, I personally think it's more of the latter. I, I think that Joe Lombardi is objectively at like a B level kind of coordinator. You know, he's not, he's not going to be a guy that is going to be poached because he's like this great offensive mind. But, um, you know, I think he's a good play caller, a good situational play caller. And I think he makes adjustments and I like, for the most part, I like his scheme, but you know, I, they're the thing with the chargers this year with Justin Herbert is like, Everybody wants him to be, you know, better than what he was last year. And obviously, I, I share that sentiment. I would love for him to improve from last year. But the Chargers did have a top five offense last year in EPA per play. They were top five in DVOA. They were top five in yards per game. They were top five in points per game. And the offense worked last year. Like, it was a lot of fun to watch, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, they were using Mike Williams in, in a really cool role in, like, a hybrid deep ball Michael Thomas role and Keenan Allen was doing more deep ball kind of stuff. And, you know, Jalen Guyton, their speed receiver was, uh, you know, catching 40, 50 yard passes on the regular from Justin Herbert and everything was, was, was Danny, right? Really like the only clear need that they had in terms of personnel, in terms of skill players was like, Hey, they needed a, a better running back too. Like they needed to have somebody who could take some pressure off of Austin Eckler. But then this year, you know, it's just all of these injuries, make the field so much smaller than we're used to. And people talk, people obviously know about Keenan Allen being hurt and now Mike Williams is hurt. 
But Jalen Guyton is their only speed threat, and he tore his ACL in week three. And Rashawn Slater, their all-pro left tackle, uh, tore his bicep right. in week three. Corey Lindsley, their all-pro center, has been in and out of the lineup with a knee tendonitis. And, um, you know, their right tackle, Trey Pipkins, doesn't sound like he's going to play on Sunday with an MCL injury. And um, Donald Parham, their second tight end, he's been in and out dealing with a hamstring injury. So it's all these different injuries. And then also Justin Herbert's rib injury. Like, we, you know, I watched him against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he, like, he should not have been playing. And I understand that. You know, it, it was a pain management thing. The doctors felt like he was safe, right? But you you could watch that game and know that he just had zero confidence in his ability to move or to throw the ball. And it's just been a gradual climb. Like, he's getting better. He looks healthy now. But for during weeks three, four, and five, like, you're talking about Justin Herbert at, like, 50% of his best. And Which, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I, I think it's – it paints a good picture. What was the game where he actually heard it? Uh, it was week two against the Chiefs. Okay. The there, the was, season, yeah. there was that play, and I think it was against the Chiefs, where it was like third and four, somewhere in that realm. And Herbert, who's, who's sneaky athletic, which is the, you know, the cliche way of saying it, he had like a clear path to pick up the first down. This is shortly after that rib injury, and I'm sure you know the play. He went uh-huh. to like scramble or run for it, and he just dropped to the ground. Yeah. Like, and I like I watched that live, and I was like, "Wow, he to for a, a person who's as relentless of a competitor as he is to give up that third down and just drop right where he stood because he was in so much pain that you don't see that every day." You know, it it just really stuck out to me. Like, damn, for a guy who you know is not going to take the easy way out to just collapse like that with a clear path to a first down. It's at that point, I thought it was a much, much more significant injury than the way it unfolded. But what you're saying is it probably was. They just kind of managed their way through it. Yeah. Like I said, I I don't feel like he has really been himself until this past week uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, there are just certain things you come to expect with Justin Herbert, right? Like he's so good at fitting these balls into these tiny, tiny little windows. And, you know, um, I think Ted Winfer, who writes for the athletic calls him like bend the bullet throws like we just never really saw that until this past week, you know, where he's being creative off platform and where he's just taking these chances both down the field and also in the intermediate ranges uh, until this past week. So, I mean, if you don't have Justin Herbert at his best, like your offense is going to look a lot worse. And then you also add into the fact all of these other injuries. So I understand that people want the Chargers offense to be better. Right. But they just. They don't have the horses right now. And then Justin Herbert has been dealing with this rib injury for the past six weeks. Well, that's I think you summed it up. If, if I could rewind and just go back to when you were talking about the amount of players that are out with an injury right now in the offense. And, and like I said on your pod, every 49ers fan listening to this right now, when we mention when we talk about the Chargers injuries, they could completely relate in every way, shape or yeah. form. I don't know what it is about the 49ers, but I don't know if you've seen those, those uh, tweets by, I want to say it's either NBC. I think it's NBC sports where it ranks every team in terms of health. Um, I can't, they had like a little acronym for it. I could scroll down through my, my, uh, my Twitter as fast as I possibly could. But of course, sitting at 32 out of 32 is the 49ers, the most injured team in the NFL. And I'm, I'm still scrolling, trying to get to it. 
because I I want to see where the Chargers fall on that little list. Here it is. Yeah, they're not great either. They're at 19th out of out of the league, and since then it could probably have dropped even more. So, in terms of injuries, at, at the very least, these two teams can relate. Now, is there to spin it towards the 49ers? When you think about the Chargers' offense and the weapons they have, they bring to bear, which for the most part is is Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler. Uh, Josh Palmer's looks pretty solid for what. You know, he, it looked like he was, at the very least, last week starting to come into his own. I think he had over 100 receiving yards, right? He was he was kind of the only guy to do his his thing through the yeah. air. And that's that's another one I didn't even mention. You know, Josh Palmer has had two concussions this season and also sprained his ankle in week four. So, um, you know, he's been in and out of the lineup. So, um, Palmer's healthy. He looks good. You know, um, he had a really great game against the Falcons. Uh, but he's really the only guy right now. You know, after him, there's... Uh, DeAndre Carter, who's uh, been a journeyman special teams kind of player. And he was on the 49ers for a little bit. No shit. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. I wow. Okay, I didn't. Even, I want to say it was that. as a rookie. I'm gonna. I can look up his. Because uh, I know he's a Sacramento State guy. Yep. 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 I'm trying to look right now and see what where they have all the years. I don't even know if he made it out of the off season. You know, to to like okay. technically have a accrued season with the team, um, but yeah, DeAndre Carter was was a Forty ers guy during a during an off season. Yeah, so after Carter, you know, it's just you know practice squad receiver Michael Bandy and uh, Jason Moore, and um, recently they they signed Keelan Doss to the active roster. So yeah, it, it's uh, not a great uh, supporting cast right now by any means outside of uh, Austin Eckler and. You know, Josh Palmer and Jared Everett's a solid tight end as well, but he leads the league and drops at tight end. So that's another fun situation. <laughs> <laughs> now the 49ers defense, we know they've, they've got talent at all three levels. Um, you know, they're missing a couple pieces, but for the most part, they're as put together as, as they've been this season. Uh, their big, their biggest loss was Emmanuel Mosley opposite Charvarius Ward. Is there, what are your thoughts when it comes to this Chargers offense versus the 49ers defense? Is there a pathway to success with the Chargers or is it really, do you think it's going to be a long afternoon evening? You know, I think it could be a long evening. Um, we've certainly seen themes, things kind of snowball for this Chargers offense in, in, in some games, you know, against the Jaguars, they couldn't really get anything going. And then they were in such a poor game script that, you know, they just had to throw to get back. And it was just kind of a tee off on Justin Herbert situation, which again, him dealing with a rib injury was not great. Um, but I think, you know, we've, we've started to see just them use Justin's mobility a little bit more over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, against the Falcons, they had probably six or seven design rollouts. They had a good amount of RPO action as well. They even uh, called a run play for him. Um, so I think, that that's something that really needs to be escalated uh, this week against the 49ers. Cause I think you have to be able to kind of win in the margins against the Niners defense. In my opinion, you know, you're not going to win with, uh, you know, a great offensive line this week or a great rushing attack or great skill players. So I, I think if there is a way it's, it's just Justin Herbert has to go be great. Justin Herbert has to, you know, get on the move a little bit and just give him some freebies and get him in a rhythm that way. So, that's that's to me the key for this Chargers offense this week is be able to take advantage of where Herbert is at health wise because they haven't really been able to do that until last week. 
Are you comfortable? Like, do you think Justin Herbert's as as close to a hundred percent as he's been? I mean, would you call him a hundred percent? Is there still anything that would give you the inclination that he's still dealing with anything to do with his ribs, or do you think he's about as healthy as as one player can be during the middle of an NFL season? I think he's as healthy as you can get. Um, I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent this season, but I, I'd say he's probably at 90% right now. So. Flipping it over, obviously we have Nick's older brother. Uh, you know, it's it's pointless to try to argue which one's better. They're very, very, very similar. You know, it, it, there's this super funny clip of Nick and Joey Bosa walking on a beach, and I don't know if you've seen that, but both of them have such huge legs that they have to like <laughs> literally walk around their own legs. Yeah, you know the way they whip their legs around, and they were walking on the beach. And they looked absolutely identical in stature, in height, in the way they walked. And so what's – I don't believe if, I, if I've done my homework, I don't believe Joey Bosa is expected to play. But he's getting close, is he not? Yeah, he is getting close. So um, his surgery happened on September 30th. Um, so it was after the Jacksonville Jaguars game. It was that Friday. And um, after the surgery, the timeline was six to ten weeks. So – uh, tomorrow, November 11th would be six weeks exactly on the dot. So, um, you know, he has not started practicing just yet. Um, he is in the building doing rehab and things like that. So, um, I, I would expect him to be back probably the Thanksgiving weekend game against the Cardinals. That's, that's probably what we see from him. I assume like next week they'll actually like start practicing him, uh, you know, in a limited capacity and then, then we'll see what happens. But yeah, to your point, man, like, I mean, the way that they play is the same. Like, both of them really do, like, the same just kind of petty kind of moves against the quarterback where, you know, they'll just let them know every once in a while, like, hey, hey, Jimmy, I'm right here. You know, hey, hey, Justin, right. I'm right here. I got, like, I'm, I'm I'm coming, man. And, like, the way that they their stances are the same. I mean, obviously, they wear the same number. So, uh, it, it's been fun watching both of them and just kind of, grow into their own. I think Nick's probably a little bit of a different personality wise, but you know, on the field, they're so incredibly similar. Yeah. It's, it's special getting to watch players like that. And and I think that there's generally just among a fan base, there's always this tendency to not want to spend money as if it's their own money for some reason. But I think that if there's any player that 49ers fans are completely ready to give like $30 million a year to, it's probably Nick Bosa. I'm assuming he's he might not quite get there, but obviously his payday is going to be right up there with with the absolute whatever whatever record there is to be broken. I'm sure he'll break some when it's time for him to get paid. And obviously Joey did the same when it was time for him to get paid. But yep. in terms of the the Chargers defense, um, you know I, we talked about it on your pod. The 49ers. There there was a time when it was all about running the ball. And and that may still be the case. We don't I'm not sure if Elijah Mitchell's going to come back yet. They've got Christian McCaffrey now, who is still a great running back in and of itself if you ignore the the pass catching abilities, but is there is there any I, like cuz I don't want to paint this like the 49ers are about to kick the crap out of the Chargers. The Chargers are a very good team. I don't think the 49ers have earned that right. They're 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 pretty heavily favored by seven points, you know, but they always give three to the home team. So I, I definitely don't want to paint this picture like the 49ers are going to have no problem with the Chargers because that's not the way it should be, or it's not what I'm expecting. 
But it, what it, what are your concerns with this Chargers defense? Where they're at? I know they've got their own. You know, you lost J.C. Jackson. Um, where are they at? What do you think they're going to have trouble with with this 49ers defense? Or where do you think they're going to have some sec- success against some vulnerabilities in the 49ers, which mainly revolve around James Francis Garoppolo? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, the Chargers made a really concerted effort to improve the defensive tackle room in the offseason. Um, signed Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson to, to big contracts and uh, you know, the two of them have been playing incredibly well. Unfortunately, Austin Johnson, another uh, injury to discuss as he fractured his kneecap against the Falcons this past week. But um, they have good depth behind him. You know, I, that's one of the positions where I actually feel good about the depth. You know, they drafted uh, Otita Ogbonia from UCLA in the fourth round this year. Um, they signed Christian Covington a couple of years ago. He's been a steady, reliable force for them. Um, so I feel okay about the trenches. Like they're they're much better along the defensive front this year than last year. The problem is that they have a linebacker in Kenneth Murray and a free safety in Nasir Adderley who just cannot, for the life of them, properly diagnose you know outside zone or cu- or cutback kind of runs. So anytime that you have a running back who can get past the defensive line get past Khalil Mack and and all these guys that the Chargers have. Um, It's just been curtains, man. Like every single team that the Chargers play has gotten a 40-yard run on them outside of the Raiders and the the Houston – actually, the Houston Texans had one. So I think it's just the Raiders are the only team that they've successfully (laughs) managed to not give up a a big explosive run to. So um, that's where the Chargers are at, man, on the run defense. It's just they're they're better on a down-to-down basis than they were in last year. But, you know, even Tyler Algier, this rookie from BYU who's not overly explosive, had a 45-yard run against them last last week. So um, it's just been not death by a million cuts, but it's been death by like one explosive cut every single week. <laughs> just death by the deadly cuts, the, the, <laughs> ones, the, the ones that kill you. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, not to pour salt in the wound, but if you're just looking at this, the surface-level stuff, the Chargers – lead the league in, in what they give up on the ground in terms of yards per carry. Uh, yeah. A 5.7 average is is pretty unbelievably bad. And, yeah. it, you know, it's not some – it's – you know, those, those type of statistics hold up over the course of a season. That doesn't mean that the 49ers are going to average 5.7 yards a carry. Uh, but I do believe that the 49ers are at a point now where – Yes, the Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo is still the quarterback, and you never really know what you're going to get with him. But for the first time in a little while, it's almost like there's been this subtle pendulum shift towards, wait, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, we want to run the ball, but we've got a Christian McCaffrey guy who can also catch passes. We've got Debo Samuel. we got Brandon Ayuk. we got George Kittle. Like, maybe we could throw it around a little bit, and that's how Jimmy Garoppolo is playing. Is there, is there anybody in the Chargers secondary that's going to be able to threaten that amount of, of of talent coming at him or is that just another worry of yours as well no the the charger secondary i feel really good at with where they're at at least in terms of uh pass coverage right i think their pass coverage unit is is pretty good i think they're like 13th in epa allowed per dropback, and um you know they're they're not an elite secondary by any means obviously the jc jackson situation really kind of uh took a step back there but um, obviously it starts with Derwin James in, in the back end. And, you know, he's been somebody who has had a lot of success against tight ends. You know, he's, um, 
you know, had some great reps and plays against Darren Waller and uh, Travis Kelsey in the past and, and frankly closed out some games against those two teams of the chargers uh, probably don't win otherwise. And so uh, that Derwin versus George Kittle battle is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be appointment viewing if you're a film nerd like I am. So um, <laughs> that should be a fun one. But outside of him, man, I mean, Bryce Callahan has really been the biggest bargain in free agency for this team. He's been one of the best slot corners in the league. He's got um, he's only allowed like 90 yards on the season just because he's just so effective. And he, again, had some great reps against. Hunter Renfro, great reps against Christian Kirk, these guys who are really great slot receivers. Um, so he's been very successful. And then Asante Samuel Jr. has really developed into a nice corner. I don't think he's a star corner just yet. He's um, pretty damn good. But he's really, really good. And he's really taken a, a lot of steps forward this year. I feel like he's really close to just like having a game where he gets multiple interceptions because I feel like every single week, he just gets his hands on these passes that he probably shouldn't, um, you know, just because he's he's really seen things at a high level. And then he's got that elite quickness and, and can make a play on the ball. So, um, you know, he's, he's had one interception this year. I, I know he probably would tell you he, he should have a few more. Um, so I, I really do feel like Asante Samuel Jr. is developing into a very, very good and reliable corner on the outside for them. Well, I mean, hey, we know that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to give him a look. He'll, he'll, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo will so. probably I give him so. one. He'll, he'll, you, if you're a betting man, you, you could probably bet on the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo will give him one. And, you know, the, the, to Jimmy Garoppolo's benefit, they aren't always caught, but they're presented uh, sometimes on a silver platter. So if, if I know that striking gold listeners will probably smirk a little bit if there is a Jimmy Garoppolo, just a little bit, and then, then they'll go back to being their upset selves. But uh, if there is a Jimmy Garoppolo to Asante Samuel uh, interception, that would just be the icing on the cake for the pod. And yeah, if you look at the, the Chargers secondary in terms of uh, just the basic stuff, you know, completion percentage, yards per attempt, passing yards allowed, they are, you know, within the top 10 of the league if at the very worst, the t- the better half of the league in, in almost every category, obviously the only problem to that statistic is it, it's better than being bad. But when you're giving that much up on the ground, it, right. it maybe isn't isn't as bad as an offense would think it is. But again, that's that's somewhere to start. You know, I, I feel like for the Chargers, if I was telling them how to beat the 49ers, and and, and obviously they've. That's how the Falcons do business too. If if there's one good thing to, <laughs> to kind of bring this into into view for the Chargers is whatever preparations you made to stop the Falcons, it's a different run game. It's much more power based. Whereas uh, you know, 49ers are very very outside and zone schemed up. But um, it, it's stopping the run. If you can stop the run and put it on Jimmy Garoppolo, that is your best avenue for success. Now again. That may be a little different now that Christian McCaffrey's in the house, now that Debo Samuel's healthy, uh, George Kittle's healthy, Brandon Ayuk's having his best season as a pro. Uh, it, it's not; it's easier said than done, but I feel like if the if the Chargers were already preparing to stop the run against the Falcons, even though they might not have done it, at the very least they can say, look, we've got to fix what we, we mistakes we had last week because we're going to have to do the same thing this week. And in, in all in in the the best world for the 49ers they want to run the ball and they want to get ahead and they want to run the ball. I don't know if you saw this uh passing around Twitter, but Kyle Shanahan's record 
when he's trailing at the half is like unbelievably bad. Uh, like really, I want to, I want to say for like his career, it's like seven and 31. If he's trailing at the end of the third quarter and it's even worse if he's trailing at half, like it's, it's so bad that it, it makes you feel like it's fake. And I'm trying to, to scroll through my Twitter again to find it, but, that's just it just goes to show you how much the 49ers want to just get ahead. Let's just run the ball. Let's just work this clock and let's do what we got to do. And if they can't do that, if the Chargers come out firing quick and they move down the field and put up 7 and then the next drive, you know, maybe it's just 3, but if they can get the 49ers on their heels, everybody listening to this knows that the odds are pretty good you're to you're going to win the game. It was a stat that I couldn't believe either. Okay, here it is. Um and I'll just run through it really quick. If since Kyle Shanahan took over, if he's down at halftime, he's seven and thirty. If he's down after the third quarter, he's four and thirty-one. Oh my and gosh. if he's and if he's down three plus points entering into the fourth quarter, he's one and thirty. Whew. So I, I mean, and obviously that, now, yeah, it's it's pretty unbelievable. Now there's a whole like we're constant we've played a whole lot of backup quarterbacks plays into that. And you know, there's also the fact that Nick Mullins, shout out, right, right, Dick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, Brian Hoyer, <laughs> all that good stuff. Um, but I mean, and then that that also doesn't take into account the games they were just straight up winning and went on to win. But sure, um, it's it's that's probably the surest ticket for the Chargers if they can come out and have a have a quick first half. The odds are very very much in their favor. I think that the 49ers against the Rams came back to beat them after being down in the first half. And everybody was like, wait, we were just talking about this picture. Like, they're not supposed to do that. So if there's a way. So let's cap this off. Let's wrap this up. Just give me your overall thoughts on the matchup. And I'm not going to ask you to make a prediction. I always kind of just balk at that. It's just whatever. But just give me your overall thoughts on the matchup, what you expect to see, what you want to see the Chargers be able to do, that sort of thing. What are you What are you thinking about 49 Yeah, like you – like you, I think the recipe for success for the Chargers is, you know, getting out to an early lead. And that's unfortunately not something that they have uh, been able to do over the last few weeks. So um, to me, that that really is the key to the game. Like it really, the Chargers have to maintain a positive game script and not just in the game, right? Like from a down to down basis, like they need to stay ahead of the sticks on both fronts. And so, um, you know, the biggest curiosity for me in terms of how the Chargers attack this is really what do they do with Derwin James? Because against the Falcons and against some of the other teams, you know, he's been um, almost like a pseudo edge rusher, safety linebacker role for this team. And uh, he actually took 18 snaps on the edge against the Atlanta Falcons. They had this personnel package where they would kick Khalil Mack inside essentially as like a five technique defensive tackle. And Derwin James was playing on the edge and that was how they little bit to- of A little bit of Mika Parsons? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So they that's how they wanted to cr- try and, you know, stop the Atlanta Falcons rushing attack. Um, you know, he's on he's also on pace this year for a career high in pressures and sacks. They're really using him a lot as a blitzer. And it's been awesome to watch, but can you do that against the 49ers with George Kittle and Debo Samuel in the slot and um you know, so that that's my biggest curiosity here, here is how do they use Derwin James because against when they play the Chiefs or the Raiders it's a lot of like matching up with these tight ends. And I think it kind of takes away from what they really want to do as a whole. 
And so it's just going to be a, a really interesting chess match individually between Brandon Staley and what he wants to do with Derwin James. So um, a little nugget there for the the Niners fans listeners. So <laughs> um, I, I think in general, I, I'm nervous about this game. I think the Niners do everything well that the Chargers struggle with. Um, you know, the Chargers have a lot of key injuries. They're playing uh, their uh, third string right tackle, most likely sounds like. So uh, that's going to be a sounds like a big Nick Bosa opportunity. So I, I don't feel great about it. Like I said, if there is a chance, it's Justin Herbert just comes out and goes nuclear like we haven't seen him do <laughs> yet this season. And that's always a possibility, right? So the Chargers definitely have a chance, but I think the Niners just present uh, a very difficult task for this Chargers defense and for the Chargers offensive line that's that's banged up as well. And, and the 49ers are in a position, and so are the Chargers, but the 49ers have conveniently, once again, for another year, backed themselves into this, hey, we've got to win every game from here on out. we got to go on some, like, 7-1 run, so let's go, boys. You know, like, it's right. It, it, it's they have this weird ability to do that. It's just a good team that always comes out sputtering off the gate. Well, all right, man, we're at, we're, we're at 41 minutes now. That seems plenty enough for me. I appreciate it, dude. Thank you for jumping on. It's been awesome to have you here. It's, it makes me wish the 49ers would play the Chargers a little more often. I know, right? Uh, you know, we we'll have to have to do this again sometime. So, um, I'm I'm a, I've got to say I'm a little bit bummed that we're not getting the Bosa Bowl. You know, this would be the first time that I know the the two would be on the field at the same time together in an actual game. Obviously, they they've done the training camp thing and the preseason game thing, but uh, a little bit bummed we don't get the Bosa Bowl this week. I wish, yeah. If 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 Joey was healthy, it'd be I would I would pay a little bit more money to just see them trot <laughs> one or the other out there at offensive line, just to let the two of them <laughs> hammer against each other and just backyard Nick football would, it up for a second. <laughs> Nick Nick would be the right tackle, but then would end up putting a pass rush move on Joey, and, and it wouldn't make sense, and everything would be backwards. But it would be fun just to see them run into each other a little bit, just a uh, a uh, uh, rock in a hard place, I guess you could say, but. All right, yeah, so I've, tell uh, tell my uh, my 49ers uh, fans are, that are in the building where they can find you, what you do, what's your pod, all that good stuff. Yeah, so we do the the Guilty as Charged podcast, which is at GAC Podcast 17 on, on all social media platforms. Um, we're on YouTube as well, so you can find us there. Um, and then my, uh, my personal account is at Stephen I. Hagland. Uh, you can find me there, so... Um, really happy to uh, have made this connection, and you know the Central Valley Blue Wire connection is really strong here. So I uh, <laughs> appreciate you coming on my show, and appreciate you having me on yours, man. It's been a lot of fun today. Yeah, dude, it's been a cool, uh, a cool couple hours of talking ball. Now I must say though, you know the you know the guiltiest charged podcast account uh, is is attempting follow when their pin tweet has a gif from Tropic Thunder, which is. <laughs> by f- i don't know who's doing the tweeting over there That's but they're me, doing yep. a good, they're doing a good job because that Appreciate is one of my all-time favorite movies is uh, uh tropic thunder an unbelievably good movie and i and i love the fact that it would offend even more people today than it did when it came <laughs> out so um, oh dude if it came out today man it would be canceled in a hurry <laughs> it would it would well again man i appreciate you um, and as always, thank you to everybody that's on, on the other end of the speaker right now, listening to the pod in the end, you are the, uh, you're the reason we do this. So, uh, Steven, thanks again, man. Appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. And, uh, like I said, we'll, uh, hopefully the, the 49ers play the chargers sooner than later. Yeah, man. Sounds good. Appreciate it.
All right, everybody. That's a wrap for today's episode. Like we always say, uh, thank you for listening. In the end, that's all you need to do to support the pod. But if you want to do more, leave us a positive review on your platform. Um, make sure that you are passing on the word, downloading, rating, subscribing. Oh, you know what I mean? The stuff that makes these people with spreadsheets think that we're doing a good job. So appreciate it, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, but for another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. We're signing out. <laughs>